0: And he can fly, plenty for a first, plenty more to the 40, Mariona gets his eyes on the end zone! Can he finish at the 30, the 20, 10, 5, touchdown Mariona. 87-yard run! We set our sights to the Tennessee Titans. It's Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's midweek of game week. Sam Ekstrom and Sage Rosenfels, who joins us as he does each and every Wednesday. Sage, what's up? I'm doing
1: great. Happy hump day to you. Uh, it's Wednesday, which in the NFL is the real real, real beginning of the next week uh, or week one. Uh, this is the day everyone goes back to work and uh, puts in a lot of the game plan, and uh, probably one of the biggest workloads mentally and physically of the week is Wednesday.
0: It's practices Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then the Sunday game. Let me start with this, Sage. So when when you're in the routine of the season, you basically have one week to prepare for a game. But when it's week one, you have, in theory, the entire off season to get ready for that one game. So how early do you start preparing specifically for your week one opponent.
1: Well, you know, usually the schedule comes out. What is it, April or maybe it's even May? I feel like uh, when that schedule comes out, and um, you know, sometimes throughout OTAs or but definitely during training camp, the, the coaches will have some sort of uh, part a part of a practice uh, which you are working on something, and it's usually uh, for that week one game. It may not even be something that you even they, they even talk about, but Uh, It might be some sort of defensive front. Uh, They might go to a a 3-4 defense, even though your defense doesn't play that because that's what you're going to see in week one, and you want that sort of early preparation. So by the time you get to week one, uh, you're not doing something completely new. So especially during training camp, that goes on. It seems like every once in a while. Uh, It also goes on uh, a lot of times the, 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 the last week, the week Teddy got hurt. A lot of times, uh, you know, the number one def- number one offense, and defense will be doing going against uh, some things that the week one opponent will be going for. So just the, the week before uh, this week, uh, it also goes down. So uh, there's definitely some preparation so that when you get to Wednesday, uh, some of these concepts offensively, offensively and defensively that you're expecting to see are not brand new.
0: Now, last season, the Vikings began the year against San Francisco. They were led by first year man Jim Tom Sula. They had a significant amount of turnover on their roster. So the Vikings faced a new staff and a largely new team and just got shellacked. And I think everybody kind of fell back on, well, they threw a lot of new concepts that were not on tape with a first time head coach. The Vikings were not anticipating. And Mike Zimmer conceded as much in the aftermath of it. Now, they're in a somewhat similar spot this year with Mike Malarkey and the Tennessee Titans, though there is a little bit more history with Mike Malarkey in the league as a head coach, and Tennessee is is also a very, very young team. Now, there's two ways to look at it. Either the advantage is in Tennessee's court, either Tennessee is able to surprise the Vikings with these new concepts that they didn't show in the preseason, or it's a disadvantage because these young players are still learning this system. Which do you think it is?
1: Well, for the most part, teams sort of do what they do. Uh, in particular, defensively, it's not like some team is going to play, you know, cover two the entire preseason and then come out and you're never going to see one snap of it. Uh, you know, defensive coordinators definitely, you know, sort of have certain concepts and certain coverages that they like to play. Uh, the things that might be new, at least you know, for an offensive player's perspective is you know certain blitzes that you didn't see during the preseason, they might throw some new blitzes uh, at you, possibly some new fronts uh, here and there. Um, but usually uh, a veteran offensive line, and uh, the way you know a good offensive line coaches is you you're prepared to to you know be able to play against all the different looks and fronts and blitzes. and when you're ever unsure, I uh, just go back to sort of your base rules and what what is my base rule in this protection or base rule in this run game? Uh, and usually that that you know clears everything up. Uh, obviously offensively, you know teams aren't gonna throw the the entire playbook at a uh, defense during the, the the preseason. so you can't get a lot off of that. But again, if you just stick to your sort of sound uh, you know, sound you know defensive strategy, uh, you know that DBs and linebackers and that they do, uh, usually, uh, you know, the head coach and the, the coordinators will put you in a good position. So, you know, Mike Zimmer, he's been coaching defense for a long time. Uh, he's coached a lot of different defenses, but for the most part, he has been a man-to-man uh, in quarters and cover three, uh, you know, type guy. So. Uh, that's that's the majority of what he's done. He's always been the double-A gap stuff. And same with Mike Malarkey. Mike Malarkey's been around, even though as a head coach or a coordinator, for a long time in this league. Back in 2001, when I was in the Senior Bowl, Mike Malarkey was my offensive coordinator, and and I watched some of his games last year, and and he was still running some of the same concepts that we ran you know, 15 years earlier. Uh, in the NFL, at the end of the day, there's certain offensive and defensive concepts that just hold true to everything uh, you know, no matter what people do, so um, I, I think at the day, it's not a big deal if you haven't played against a guy who's a new head coach. I know Nick Saban in two thousand four when I was in Miami, he threw tons of blitzes during the preseason. He threw everything uh, at our opponents during the preseason. I mean, we'd have 30-40 blitzes dialed up in these games. Then we played the Broncos week one. I think we blitzed three times the entire game. We played cover four almost the whole game and shut down the Broncos you know, fairly well. They'd spent so much time preparing for those blitzes. At the end of the day, we played fairly simple football and just dominated them.
0: That's interesting because I guess you could assume that some coaches are using the preseason as more of a guise. If the team feels established in itself, do you think they can use that preseason strategically versus a young team that desperately needs those reps? Are there differences in the way coaches approach that?
1: Well, you know, coaches always say, well, we're not going to show very much during the preseason. Uh, and there are a couple ways. I said there's a couple ways to do it. Saban sort of showed everything and said, mm-hmm. okay, prepare for everything that we're going to do. And that's no fun as an offensive coordinator, offensive line coach, to prepare for 35 different blitzes and, and try to make sure your your protection sound on each, with each protection versus each one of those blitzes, with, with each run game versus each one of those blitzes. Uh, so that's a challenge. But a lot of coaches say, well, we're not going to show much during the preseason. You know, for the most part, you know, people have seen and done it all at this point uh, from an offense perspective. You know, every pass play that's ever been, uh, you know, con- uh, conceived uh, in some coordinator's brain at three o'clock in the morning, uh, you know, on a Wednesday, uh, you know, it, it's been thrown out there at some point. So it's not like there's some you know magical plays that all of a sudden pop up during the regular season uh, that 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 aren't uh, you know available in the preseason. I think the only difference is if you have a a certain type of player, you know, an like example like a Percy Harvin. You know, Percy's a guy that you can motion to the backfield and give him the ball. Uh, he wasn't just your classic wide receiver. So that's where, where more personnel becomes a different aspect of the whole thing where, where, you, where you sort of hide things during the preseason is maybe when you have certain personnel where you're going to put guys in different spots they've never really been before. Uh, so that's new to a defensive coordinator when they're preparing uh, for their team.
0: Quick PSA on Locked On Vikings. It's a big week for Locked On NFL with Matt Williamson as well as Vinnie Iyer on Locked On Fantasy. Make sure to subscribe and check out those two flagship shows as the season gets underway Thursday night, officially. And uh, one guy that you might uh, hear a recommendation of on Locked On Fantasy is Marcus Mariota, a guy who can get a lot of yards with his legs. Last year, uh, everyone heard the the 87-yard touchdown run that he had against Jacksonville. He's a mobile quarterback, which is an archetype that has burned the Vikings in the past. Uh, I think a lot of those NFC West quarterbacks with Colin Kaepernick doing it last year, week one. I think of Russell Wilson doing it on numerous occasions. Uh, The mobility of Aaron Rodgers has stumped the Vikings at times, and they'll have to deal with it in Mariota on Sunday As a rookie, Mariota led um, one of the most unsuccessful teams in the NFL, yet he flashed a lot of positive things, Sage.
1: Yeah, that team was just not very good last year, but I I liked what uh, Mariota did for the most part. Uh, He had his ups and downs, as most rookies do, but at the end of the day, uh, I think this kid's going to be a legitimate NFL quarterback. He really can throw the ball pretty dang well. He doesn't have a cannon. Uh, I would sort of describe his... His arm strength, uh, as sort of a Drew Brees, a young Drew Brees. Uh, he's not going to throw it 65 yards down the field, uh, but I think he's fairly accurate, and he will get more accurate uh, as he goes here, uh, and and as he gets to you know build years of rapport with his wide receivers and tight ends and those types of things. So and I, and obviously as you said, he can run the football as well. He's a heck of an athlete. Might be one of the best athletes. other than said probably Russell Wilson and Cam Newton. Uh, he's up there as probably one of the top five best athletes quarterbacks in the NFL, but at the end of the day he's a good thrower. Uh he's a good runner, but he's a good thrower. And that is key because at the in the NFL to play quarterback you have to be able to throw the football successfully to win. And uh you know so as you said this team struggled last year. Uh but it's it's week one and everyone believes that's that's the magic of the NFL. Uh different than probably baseball or the NBA. Is that everyone believes that you can switch it around in one year because it has happened before? Teams have won three or four games in one year. The next year, come back and win nine or ten or eleven and get to the playoffs. So I promise you, this Tennessee Titans team does not care what happened last year. They think they can win this game. And if they win this game, they can win week two and so on and so on. So uh, it is a it's a huge sort of building block for Mike Mularkey and his team. Took them out here with a with a win, so gonna be a good test for the Vikings.
0: Speaking of building blocks, are you a fan of the blockbuster deal the Titans engineered with the Los Angeles Rams? They traded the number one pick in the draft for a bounty. They they got the Rams first this year and next year. They got two seconds and two thirds. Just a ton of pieces for a team that, especially on defense, isn't that deep. It seems like a great way to build up Mike Malarkey's defensive core in the coming years.
1: Well, anytime you can get more draft picks uh, and more players, it's obviously a help. Uh, and this is a situation is all about the quarterback, right? Uh, they had a high pick in the draft and uh, the top pick in the draft, and they already had their quarterback from the previous year. And so um, no reason to keep that position and draft another quarterback, and teams want quarterbacks so bad. So even if Jared Goff or Carson Wentz, you know weren't legitimately the the top two guys in the draft they might have been you know rated as you know number 12 and 13 or something by all these draft gurus uh, but when teams are are bad they generally need quarterbacks but this is a situation where the top team in the draft did not need a quarterback cuz they drafted one just the year before with Mariota so you know why not trade uh, trade that pick, move down and get a you know slew of defensive players. If you're if you're one of those teams that's picking early in the top two, three, four, five picks, you one you probably don't have a quarterback, but two you probably don't have much of the rest of a football team has a lot of issues too. Uh, this is a situation where they had a quarterback, but the rest of the team definitely uh, has some issues offensively and defensively. So yeah, it's, that's a that's a very important move. And if Tennessee does end up getting it, this thing switched around in the coming years, everyone will look back uh, to that trade. And, you know, sort of like the Dallas Cowboys did with Herschel Walker, uh, they'll, they'll look back and say that this trade really helped us out, gave us uh, a lot of defensive players and a lot of depth. But you, can, you, know, you can't screw up those picks. A lot of teams get some great picks, but then they screw them up. They have to pick the right players as well.
0: What's the reputation of Mike Malarkey around the league? Oh, very well liked. Uh, definitely
1: one of those coaches that other NFL coaches like and respect. Uh, other play, the players who played for him, uh, have always liked and respected him. Uh, he was a tight end at the University of Florida. Uh, you know, back in, I guess, it would probably have been the, the late 70s or 80s. And uh, when I first met him, he was a tight ends coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he just became the offensive coordinator over the course of that Senior Bowl week. And uh, so he has sort of worked his way up. And I've always thought a tight ends coach who becomes a coordinator slash head coach uh, has, a, has a good view of the game. You know, other than the quarterback, you know, offensive linemen really understand offensive line play but don't maybe understand the passing game. Uh, you know, receivers and running backs may understand uh, the, you know, the perimeter type stuff but maybe not the offensive line play. But, but a tight ends coach, tight ends have to understand both, the passing game and the run game and protections. Uh, so uh, I think he's got always had a very good mind for for football. So other coaches have always really respected him. You know, had a chance. I mean, one of my probably best games of my career uh, was actually beating Malarkey when he was the head coach of the Buffalo Bills. Uh, J.P. Pilosman was their quarterback, and we were down 23 to three going into the fourth quarter. And uh, Gus Frat got hurt. I came in. And we ended up scoring three touchdowns there in the fourth quarter. And. Good old Chris Chambers, an old Miami Dolphins wide receiver for a, a fade for a touchdown to to beat uh, Malarkey and his Buffalo Bills. So one of my favorite days of my career, uh, but I'm sure one of Mike Malarkey's least favorites.
0: I think we might have touched on that one during our Name That Game uh, a couple weeks ago. You can go back and podcast that for more, more good storytelling. Locked on Vikings, Locked on Podcast Network. We are partnered with... FanRagSports.com, Today'sPigSkin.com, DraftBreakdown.com. Great sources. Daddy, where do babies come from? Uh, well, uh, honey? Mommy went to the store. Oh, well, you see, um, well, there's a mommy and a daddy, right? Right. And see, when they call Geico, uh, they could save a bunch of money on car insurance. Oh, really? And that makes them happy? Yes, that makes them very happy. That's good. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we could have this talk, Sunshine. <laughs> Geico, because saving 15% or more on car insurance is always a great answer. For NFL News, Sage, we're unveiling another segment today. It's called Hashtag AskTheSage. And our first question <clears throat> comes from at ChadWright24. I'll give a little context first. The Vikings are playing a hard nosed, ground and pound Tennessee team that features DeMarco Murray and the rookie Derrick Henry in their backfield. In past years, the Vikings have struggled against the run. Last year, they were 18th in the league. Chad wonders, why do the Vikings struggle against the run, and how can they fix their run defense?
1: Well, there's a couple of things with that. Uh, The Vikings have very good athletic defensive linemen who like to get penetration, like to get up the field and cause havoc. But when you do that, uh, when you're a good pass rushing team, that generally leaves bigger holes open, uh, in the run game for draws, uh, for, for all types of those things. If you don't get penetration or if you get penetration, you, run, you end up running right past the running back. So it's sort of a give and take. You can just all four stand there at the defensive line and, and hold the point and not really get much for penetration. But hey, we get, we can stop every run for a one or two yard gain. Uh, but then you have absolutely no pass rush. And, uh, and, and a good coordinator uh, will sort of sense that and throw the ball a lot. But uh, when you're up the field uh, and you're trying to get to the quarterback, which is what the Vikings' D-line does, uh, sometimes you give up. You know, run. You have run game issues. Another thing is that Mike Zimmer plays so much man-to-man uh, that when there is a run that breaks through, you know, not all eyes are are on the are on the running back or the quarterback. So you're a strong safe. You're covering the tight end down the field. You're you're covering the wide receivers as a DB down the field. Your back a lot of times is turned you know, to the ball because you're covering your man. Well, if if the ball does break through the line, uh, there's usually big gaping holes until, you know, Harrison Smith comes up and tries to make that tackle, which is usually, you know, 10 or or 15 yards deep. And so that's another issue. But, again, it's give and take. It's the style of football that Mike Zimmer plays, Uh, usually, you know, very, very good against the pass. But sometimes with that pass rush and and the man-to-man, you can give up some pretty good runs.
0: It was Carlos Hyde who victimized the Vikings last year against San Francisco in Week 1. I think the Vikings allowed the most rushing yards of any team in Week 1 of last season. And you mentioned sometimes the defense focusing on the wrong guy or focusing on the pass too much. I think back to the third preseason game against San Diego at U.S. Bank Stadium. Melvin Gordon gets the handoff and goes for a 40-yard touchdown. On that play, Adi Cole... Bursts through the line of scrimmage, right up the middle, untouched. But instead of focusing on the running back, Melvin Gordon, he tackles the quarterback, Phillip Rivers, to the ground. Mike Zimmer took the blame for that call later on. But a prime example of Cole focusing a little too much on the pass and ignoring what was happening with Melvin Gordon bursting through the gap for the TD. Okay, one more Ask the Sage question. I think you're going to enjoy it. At Travis Schlinger wants to know on Twitter, More likely, Vikings appear in the Super Bowl or Cyclones appear in a bowl game?
1: (laughs) Well, after my Cyclones lost to Northern Iowa in week one last weekend, and I called that game uh, for Cyclones TV, I'm not sure if we're going to be able to get to six wins this year. So I definitely think that the the Vikings have a very good roster, a a better roster than Iowa State has right now. Um, And they've got one of the best coaches in the NFL, and I really like our coach Matt Campbell at Iowa State. But he's young, and he's an experienced uh, sort of at this level of of power five conferences. So uh, I wish I could say my I wish I could say both, uh, to be honest with you. But I I wish I could say my Cyclones. But I think uh, the better team, the more experienced team, uh, and the better shot of making uh, sort of reaching their goal, I guess, uh, would be the Minnesota Vikings this year.
0: We're always free to take your questions. Use the hashtag AskTheSage on Twitter. His name is Sage Rosenfels at SageRosenfels18. My name is Sam Ekstrom at Sam Ekstrom. Tomorrow on the show, Terry McCormick of Locked On Titans will join us to talk from his team's perspective. Maybe we'll ask him about what happened to David Cobb, the former Gophers running back who recently got cut. But for now, he's Sage. I'm Sam. Thanks for listening to Locked On Vikings. The list.